We're going to continue our discussion this morning on the names of God. And today we are going to be talking about, I'm excited about this one. Um, I'm also a little nervous isn't the right word, but I'm going to try and stay in my lane as best as I can this morning. But if God says go this way, we're going to go that way. And if he says go that way, we'll go that way. Amen. Today we are talking about Jehovah Ra, the Lord, my shepherd, the Lord, my shepherd. And I'm just going to say right off the bat, I'm not sure if this is one of those sermons that's going to be real tweetable, you know, in social media, like Instagrammable, um, because this is a hard one. Okay, this is a hard lesson that we are going to talk about today, a hard, you know, uh, concept to understand, because if the Lord is our shepherd, that means that we are following him. Okay, and so I have one question, really one ultimate question to ask you all this morning, and I want you to really think about it. Don't just I'm not just going to ask you, go, oh, yeah, sure. Check, check it off the list and keep going. But I want us all to really look in the mirror, take a deep look into our hearts and our own lives and our actions and the things that we do and the money that we spend and how we talk to these people and those people and our children and our spouses and consider all those things when I ask you, are you following Jesus? Are you really following Jesus? Because following Jesus is a lot more than just coming to church on Sundays and singing songs and then going about our week. It's so much more than not doing this and not doing that and refraining from this. Because once we get into that mold, we're not following Jesus. We're following religion. We're following law. And then what happens when we start following religion instead of Jesus is we get all puffed up and self-righteous and start judging everyone else. And rather than asking the question, am I following Jesus? We're saying none of them are following Jesus. Look out. Look out. And that's really a trap that we can all fall into, is looking around at everybody else and saying, why aren't they doing this? Instead of asking, God, am I following you? Am I following you? And, and I'll be honest, in, in the world that we live in now, this year of 2020, I've seen so many people, so many people who claim to be following after Jesus, but are following after religion and law and are doing damage to the kingdom because they're following the rules instead of Jesus. And I'm looking, I'm like, that's not Jesus. That's not love. That's not serving your neighbor and laying down your life for your neighbor. That's following after yourself. Are we following after Jesus in a time that is so pivotal for us, the church, to be following after him and laying down ourselves and following fully after him? I want to read this verse to you that kind of says it all to me. It says Matthew, oh, sorry, John 10, John 10, uh, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So if we're asking, am I following Jesus? The next question that has to be asked is, how do we follow Jesus? And the answer is by knowing his voice. By knowing his voice, because there's all sorts of voices in the world right now. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. There are all sorts of voices in this world right now, but there is only one voice of Jesus. Now, I'm going to say that again, church. There is one voice of Jesus, and that is his and his alone. And we are called to follow him. And we have to learn his voice to do that. And it's like Robbie said at the end of the video. 
Once God started speaking to him, it was listening to worship music and praying more, getting in the word for crying out loud. And understanding his, his voice in our lives. It's getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Taking that time in prayer to sit and be still and let God speak to us. Rather than filling the space all the time with our own voice in our own noise. Saying, God, what do you want to say to me? Because let's not forget at the end of the day, we're sinners. And we mess up all the time. And what our, one of our main prayers needs to be is, God, forget what I need to say to you. What do you want to say to me? Because I'm following you, not the other way around. So we need to start following him and hearing his voice. And I want to encourage you if, you, if you're sitting here this morning like, you know, I don't really know what the voice of the Lord is. I'm not really sure. Come talk to a pastor. You saw Pastor Tina up here, Pastor Edie in the back, Pastor Luis, myself, any of the elders. But it begins with prayer. It begins in the word of God. Open up the word. Say, Jesus, speak to me right now. I need to hear your voice. And I promise you, he'll speak to you. Say, God, I just want to sit here. I want to encourage you to do this. This might be something that sounds a little out of your comfort zone. Get a notebook. Get a, get a pen or a pencil and say, God, speak to me this morning. And just start writing things down that he'll begin to speak to you. And at first, you're going to think, this is just my voice. Keep writing. Keep writing. And there's going to be stuff like, that ain't me. <laughs> that was way too profound to be me. Start listening for his voice. Matthew 16, verse 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any, any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Not exactly this rainbow and unicorn verse that Jesus says here in Matthew. One that we'd really like to skip over. But this is what following Jesus is all about. Let me, let me just say this as we get started this morning. Following Jesus is hard. And anyone that says otherwise is trying to sell you something. It is hard to follow Jesus. Why? Because of what Jesus says right here. Give up your own way. Pick up your cross. I don't know about y'all, but I don't like to give up my own way. I don't like to give up control. Because I think my way is right. And what Jesus says here is to give it up. Give it up. Surrender it to me. And what that tells me is that my way is never in alignment with Jesus' way. If it were, then he wouldn't say give it up. He'd say, hold on to that for a bit. And then it'll, we'll put it in play. What he's saying is let it go. Let it go completely. Because your way is the way of sinners. That's what we are. But he doesn't just say, hey, your way's screwed up, you sinner. Good luck. All right? He doesn't do that with us. He says, give that up. And do what? Follow me. So he's, he's not beating us up or making us feel bad by saying, give this up or whatever. He's saying, give it up because it's wrong. And I will show you the right way. That is a God who loves us. And then he says, pick up your cross. Pick up your cross. And Jesus is using this analogy on purpose for the time that he is speaking. Because the cross back then was what? It was a sign of death. And, and if you remember the story of Jesus, when he gets crucified, when, before that actually, when he's getting beaten and whipped, and as they're, way, as they're making their way up to the hill, they tell him to do what? Pick up your cross. 
He's got to pick up his own cross and carry it to his own death. And so what Jesus is telling us here is to give up your own way. And then what I want you to do is pick up your cross and deny yourself every single day in order to follow me. And that's why this is all so hard. It's because every day we have to pick up our cross and say, God, not my way. Not my way. I want to hear your voice. You speak to me. Every decision that I make today, every person that I talk to, I want it to be your way. And so I'm going to pick up my cross and I'm going to follow you. Because this isn't about me. It's about you. I want to look this morning, we're going to go verse by verse and really break down what it means for, for Jesus to be our shepherd and for us to be his sheep. And there's no better place, I believe, in the Bible than to look in Psalms chapter 23. And we're just going to go verse by verse. This is written by David, who was a shepherd. So he knew the role of a shepherd. He knew what that was. And I think as we discuss this, these verses that we've already read will be a little easier to take. Okay, but if we just look at, pick up your cross and follow me, deny yourself, like, oh gosh, that's a tall order. But let's look at what it really means to follow Jesus. Let's look at what it means for him to be our Jehovah Ra, our, our shepherd. And it starts in verse 1 of Psalm 23, where David says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, we can read that verse, and it can be very encouraging to us, which it should be. Jesus is my shepherd, and because of that, I don't, I don't need anything. Some says, I lack nothing with Jesus as my shepherd. What I believe what David is doing here in this opening verse is he's making a declaration that, yes, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. I declare it that as I follow him, I will lack nothing. But he's also making a decision here. He's making a decision that as Jesus as his shepherd, he has found his satisfaction for everything. He's saying, because I follow him, I decide to not need anything from anyone or anything else. He is enough. That is the decision that he's making as he follows Jesus. As he says, I'm surrendering my way. I'm picking up my cross. I'm following you. I am deciding right now that you are all I need. And that is a decision that we have to make all the time. I'd love to say when your alarm goes off in the morning and you stretch, ah, Jesus, you're all I need, amen. All right, it's settled for the day. I wish it were so. I don't know about y'all, sometimes your day can start off like that. I'm feeling good. Jesus is all I need. My coffee tastes extra good this morning. The kids slept in. But then come lunchtime, you may have had to make that decision a few more times. So this is a decision and a declaration that we have to make all the time. The Lord is my shepherd. God, you are my shepherd. In this moment, you're all I need. I choose you, God. I lay down myself, and I'm following you. We have to make that decision, we have, and we have to declare it. Yes, God, you are it. Declare it. Speak it out in those moments, and we all have those moments throughout our day. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Verse 2, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. I'm going to read those first three words again. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. I'm going to say this this morning. That rest is biblical. 
All right, rest is biblical. I was, I was uh, thumbing through Instagram this morning and I saw Edie's post that said, rest is a weapon. I thought that is so right on. Rest is a weapon. And yet we deny it all the time. And what Jesus is saying here, check this out. As we give up our own way, as we pick up our cross, you know what the first thing he does is? He says, rest. Okay, now rest. Now that you've started to follow me and you've surrendered your own way and you've picked up your cross, I want you to rest. Isn't that interesting? There's a book that's written all about Psalms 23. I encourage you if you've never read it. It's called A Shepherd's Look. A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And it's by Philip Keller. And he says this, he says, he says that sheep do not lie down easily and will not unless four conditions are met. Because they are timid, they will not lie down if they are afraid. Because they are social animals, they will not lie down if there is friction among the sheep. If flies or parasites trouble them, they will not lie down. Finally, if sheep are anxious about food or hungry, they will not lie down. Rest comes because the shepherd has dealt with fear, friction, flies, and famine. So when Jesus tells us to rest, he's saying, stop worrying about all this stuff on your own. I got this. Can you imagine how hard it is for a shepherd to deal with flies for a sheep? Jesus has got it. Yeah, but James, my, my, my world is just crazy. It's turned upside down. There's all this going on. I'm so busy and I just can't find time for rest. Sounds great in theory. But I just don't have time to rest. You should consider this. Two weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago, we talked about Jesus being our Prince of Peace. Jehovah Shalom. And the one instance in the Bible that it talks about Jesus being asleep is in a boat in a storm where the disciples thought they were literally going to die. Don't tell me you're too busy or the conditions aren't right for you to rest. Jesus is like, I slept in a boat in a storm. Follow me and I will take care of the fear, the flies, the famine, the friction, all that stuff. So you just rest and not rest on a bed of nails, all right, in a bed of confusion and worry and doubt. No, 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 no. I'm your shepherd. I got this. I'm going to put you down in a green pasture. I'm going to put you down in a green pasture. So, so rest. And I want to say this to y'all right now. You want a good indication of whether or not you are following Jesus in your life. Measure it by how much worry and unrest you have in your life. And I don't say that to condemn you. I say that to release you. I say that to free you. That is not Jesus's way for you. You're following after your own abilities. And I believe there are some in here that are that way. You have worried yourself to the bone. And I want to say to you right now, that's not God's way for you. That's not what he's intended for you. Follow after him and he will make you rest in green pastures. And he will lead you by the still waters. Then in verse 3 it says, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. That word restore means to bring back to original condition. So how does he restore our soul? Not by saying, there, 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 it's okay. Everything's just going to be okay. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. He restores our soul by bringing us to a place of repentance to him. That's how he restores our soul because our soul, when it is not restored, when it is heavy and burdened, it's because we haven't come to him and laid 
All of those things, the muck, the grossness that we've been hiding in our heart at his feet. I was talking to a buddy of mine this week about the freedom that there is when we repent to Jesus. And when we come to him and say, God, I'm sorry. Here it is. Here are those things that have been weighing me down, those failures of mine, the addictions that I struggle with, the lies that I tell, this, this false front that I put up for everybody else. In my life, I'm now taking it away and I'm giving it to you. And we can get to that place. How does he bring us to that place? Is it by making us feel terrible about ourselves? By making us feel guilty and small in a failure? No, no, no. David says here, after we rest, he leads us beside the still waters that bring us to a place where our souls are restored. It is a peaceful path to repentance. The enemy wants to tell us, no, 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 don't go that way. You're going to be shamed. You're going to be embarrassed. You're going to be exposed. You said, no, I'm bringing you the way of the still waters. And then check this out. Once you come to that place of repentance, I'm going to then put you on the path of righteousness. That's how we get there. That is how we get there. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Repentance is a way to save us from perishing, not a way towards perishing. Do you understand that? It is the most freeing, most amazing experience we can have with the Lord because it's when we are the most vulnerable and when we are the most open and we finally say, God, here it is. I'm now trusting you with these things, and then we go, lightning striking. No. In that moment, he wraps his arms around us. He says, it's okay. I love you. You are not going to perish over this. These things that have been hanging over your head and your heart, that have not, that are, they're making it impossible for you to rest, I now take. There's a green pasture for you right there. Have some rest. Oh, and by the way, when you're up, then I'm going to put you on the path to righteousness. That's how we get to the path. We try and do it in our own way, in our own works, in our own abilities, hiding all this stuff. He says, no, no, no. You get on the path of righteousness by coming to me and confessing those things. And then you're going to feel me take them from you. That's the path of righteousness. That's how you get there. So what David is saying here is we declare that Jesus is all we need. He makes us rest by stop trying to do all this and all that on your own. He leads us to repentance by way of the still waters, and then repentance puts us on the path of righteousness. All those things we do as we follow Jesus to get to this very point, where David says this in verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I don't believe that we can get to this point that David is talking about, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I don't believe we can get to that place unless we follow the progression that David has here. You are my shepherd. I like nothing else. I will rest. I give it all up for you. I repent. Here are the things, God. I give them to you. And then as we are walking that path of righteousness and we have this relationship with Jesus, we have given him our life, our way, and we've picked up our cross. Then we can get to that place where we say, hey, valley of shadow of death, 
I don't care. I ain't fearing any evil. Why? Because Jesus is with me, because I felt him in my rest. I felt him in my time of repentance. I felt him on the path of righteousness, and I know for a fact that I am following my good shepherd. And so as I go through this valley of the shadow of death, I can now also know that it is not my destination. It's a road, and we have to understand that Jesus as our shepherd, we are going to go through valleys of the shadow of death from time to time. But we can also know that he's with us. He is with us, and it is not our final destination. He also says this. This is where it gets a little tricky. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now there's, there's I don't know if it's even call it a debate, but different takes between theologians and historians on what the rod and the staff was. Was it two different instruments or was it one you know, with different ends or something like that. It doesn't really matter. The point is the rod and the staff were made for direction and for correction. So what David says here, your rod and your staff, they direct me, but they also correct me. And what does David say about that? He likes it. It comforts him. He says, yeah, Jesus, you as my shepherd, your correction in my life comforts me. When was the last time God corrected you? Like, honestly. When was the last time you can say, yeah, I was doing this or that, and, and God spoke to me, and I, had to, I, had to, I was getting corrected by him? I hope it was soon. <laughs> I hope it wasn't that long ago. Otherwise, we're not hearing the voice of the Lord. He corrected me when I was prepping for this this morning. Like, working on the sermon, I was like, all right, I won't say that. Sorry, Lord, scratch that off my notes. But what does David say? He says, God's correction in me is a comfort to me. Why would it be a comfort to him? Because he's keeping him on that path of righteousness. It says that as a good shepherd, he's correcting us because he cares for us. Because if he doesn't correct us, what are we going to do? We're going to keep going this way. That's messing us up. But as he directs us and he takes that rod in the seven, nudges us this way and corrects us. Oh, okay, now we're back. Sorry, Lord. I'm back. And it's something that, that I think, we, you know, when it comes to the voice of the Lord, this is, this is the funniest thing to me. It, it makes no sense. We really reject the Lord's voice a lot in our lives. And not just when he corrects us, but a lot of times when he speaks into our lives good things. I'm for you. How could you be for me? I love you. You couldn't love me. I forgive you. It's too much. And we literally reject the good things that God says about us because we're so consumed with following after the religion in our lives that we forgot who we're really following and what he thinks about us. And so we reject that voice. But then we also can reject the voice that says, ah, don't do that. That's wrong. You need to go forgive that person. All right? You need to give a little extra You need to serve here. You need to stop doing this. No, I'm good. I got it. We're not picking up our cross in those moments. We're saying, God, I want to follow your way, but I'm going to just keep this leg in my way for just a little bit because I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I just, no, I don't think so. David says, no, your correction for me is a comfort to me. It's a comfort. So ask yourselves, when was the last time God corrected you? Just curious, something to think about. 
Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. I love this line because this whole preparing a table in the presence of his enemies. You know, this paints a picture. Jesus isn't fiddling with his keys at the front door trying to get in the house as, you know, uh, the enemy comes chasing after him, right? He's preparing a table. He's like, yeah, I see all the enemies. Check this out. You know, here's your salad fork. Here's your main fork. I'll get the foods coming out soon. He's not panicked at all. He's preparing a table in the presence of David's enemies. He's not in a rush. He's not thrown off by the enemies. And that's what we can know for certain when we decide to follow after Jesus and make him our shepherd is that he's not put off by the enemies. He's taking his time. He's making sure everything is just right. All right, he's, he's not just, this, here's a snack for the road. Good luck. All right. It's like, no, 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 no. Everything's just going to be just perfect. Don't worry about them. My timing is what you need to worry about. So I'm going to prepare. And then, and then this, this, this last line, my cup runs over. So in the presence of his enemy, David says, I have more than I need. I am overcome with gratitude. My cup literally runs over. Man, I love those moments in life where you can feel, where you feel like that and where you can say that, God, this is too much. I mean, those are the best. Those are the best moments. The most humbling thing, the feeling you can ever have is it just when you feel God's goodness just pouring out on you. It's humbling. It make you cry. When you get to that point where you say, God, my cup runs over. How do we get to that point? Jesus leads us there. He leads us to the place where we can say our cup runs over. But it begins with giving up our own way. It begins by picking up our cross and saying, Jesus, I'm following you. I'm not following myself anymore. I'm not following what the world says to do. I'm not following the news or hobbies or politics or, or this or that or the other, whatever it might be. I'm following you. And in that place, my cup will run over. I'm putting my hope, I am putting my trust, I am putting all my eggs in your basket because I know that you are the shepherd and nothing else. My cup runs over. And I'm believing, Beaches Chapel family, that our cups are going to run over, that we are coming into a season of that if we will follow him, we have to follow him. And it can't just be me. It can't just be our, the rest of the pastors and the elders. We're a body. We're going together. We're going together. That's why we show videos like Robbie's. That's why we, we're going to show other videos. So we can be lifted up by everybody else. Say, yes, I'm reminded now and I'm following after you so that Beach's Chapel cup can run over. And so the church as a whole can run over. And so our country can run over. But we have to follow Jesus, y'all. We have to follow him. It's one name. It's one name that we follow. John chapter 10, starting in verse 11, says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling 
he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, third time he said that, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. One. It's not about following all these other different things. It's about following one good shepherd. We sang the song, the song this morning, Reckless Love. He, leave, he goes after the one. Leaves the 99 to go get the one. That is our good shepherd. And so as we talk about letting go of our own way and picking up our cross and following after him, what we need to understand is that as we do that, we're following a shepherd who has already laid down his life for us. He will never ask us to do anything he hasn't already done for us. He is our good, good shepherd. And he has laid down his life for us so that we can rest, so that we can go by the still waters, so that we can say, Jesus, here's all my mess ups. Forgive me. And allow him to say, it's okay. I love you. Here's the path of righteousness that you've been looking for all this time on your own. And now I'm going to lead you through the valleys of the shadow of death. And I'm going to be with you. And though there might be enemies around you, I'm preparing a table. And your cup is going to run over. And he says this to close it. Surely, in other words, it has to happen. Goodness and mercy, check this out, shall follow me all the days of my life. And here's the destination. It's not the valley of the shadow of death. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's our destination. Jesus as our shepherd. I love that picture. We're following Jesus. And behind us, what is following and chasing after us? Goodness and mercy. Not the enemy. Not failures. Not past mistakes. Not this, that, or the other. Goodness and mercy follow after us. We are sandwiched between Jesus and goodness and mercy. Who doesn't want that? That is, that, that is Jehovah Ra, that is Jesus as our shepherd. So as he goes, we go, and then our, the tail behind us is goodness and mercy. Come on, y'all. Why are we trying this on our own? Let's not be dumb sheep. I mean, for real. Can we not be dumb sheep? And I'm talking to myself here as much as anybody else in the room. Goodness and mercy, dwelling in the house of the Lord, our cup running over. Doesn't that sound like something we've been after? And the second that we put our, you know, cross down and we start going back to our own way, we are surrendering all those things. We are giving them up. We are giving up goodness and mercy. We are giving up the cup. That's what we're doing. When we start following anything else that is not Jesus, there is only one shepherd, there's only one way. And he is, this is insane. He, knowing that, has called us to follow him. He's not going, sorry, it's only one way, y'all missed it. And no, 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 no. I am the good shepherd. I'm going to lay down my life for you because there is only one way. I'm going to show you that way. 
and you're going to follow after me. I'm not even going to leave it up to you. I'm going to be your guide. I'm going to be your guide. I have a terrible sense of direction. Confession time. Jesse and I have gotten lost in a hotel before. Like, we made it to, I don't remember where, I think it was Tampa. Like, we did it. Like, we, we made it. And we go and check in. We're like, okay, where's, our, where's the room? And we went into an elevator, went up, and we're like, this is, and we had to go back to the counter, say, where's our room? <clears throat> that, that was a humbling moment. I got lost on a one-way running path once. Like, legit, got lost. There was no turns. It was one way. And me and my group were like, where's the water stop? We missed it. And just we get lost. We will get lost in our walk with the Lord the second we become our own shepherd. And the funny thing is, it might look like a one-way path. You might think you've gotten to your destination. And we say, okay, God, cool, thanks. I got it from here. And we'll still get lost. We will still get lost. Who are you following? Are you following Jesus? Please, don't just say, absolutely, I am. I, want, I mean, this is something we all need to take a really deep look at. God, search my heart. Am I following you in my marriage? Am I following you in how I parent? Am I following you in how I talk to other people that may disagree with me? Am I following you with how I spend my money? Am I following you in how I honor my parents? God, in every aspect of my life, Jesus, I want to follow after you in your way. Because I don't just want my cup to run over. I want everybody I encounter, I want theirs to run over as well. That's what this is about. I'm going to have the band come back up. We're going to close with this. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Two words. He, you know what's, what's funny about this? I've thought about this for a while now. Jesus doesn't look at him and say, believe me. He doesn't say, listen to me. He says, follow me. Because Jesus knows that the second that we start following him, the belief comes like that. And he looked at Matthew, who was a tax collector, which back then, man, as, a, as a Jew, he was collecting taxes from other Jews and giving that money to the Roman government. He was a traitor, and he was also a thief because he would, he would take extra money from the Jews. So he was isolated amongst the other tax collectors. Those were his only friends. His only, and, and, and the rest of the, his, the nation hated him and despised him. And Jesus looked at him and said, hey, you, follow me. I don't despise you. I don't hate you. I love you. It's not about getting our act together and trying to be this certain person that we think we're supposed to be or that we have to be to, to measure up to following Jesus. It's about in that moment when he calls you by name and he looks you in the eye and he says, follow me, we say, I'm going. And we follow him. Well, Jesus, just let me get my act together. Let me clean up this a little bit. No, follow me. 
Why does he not ask us to do that? Because he wants to do that for us. Our job is to follow him. His job is to clean up our mess. He's laid down his life for us so that we can follow after him. Goes on to say, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Those who thought they were righteous followed their own way. They wouldn't pick up their cross and follow Jesus. They followed after themselves in the law and religion. And Jesus said, yeah, I'm not about that. I want a relationship. I'll clean up the mess. Are you tired of trying to do things your own way? Are you just tired? Have you not rested in a while? It's one thing on a Sunday morning to say, yes, Lord, you are my shepherd. But what about at the graveside, at the hospital bed, when you lose your job, when your kids won't return your calls, when you can't beat that addiction? In those moments, can you say, make that declaration and make that decision, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He wants to get you there. He wants to get you there. It's not about cleaning up your eyes. In those moments more than any other, that is when we need Jesus as our shepherd. But we gotta follow after him and not have multiple shepherds all over the place. I believe God wants to set us free this morning. And I'm not just talking about the person that's never received Jesus. I am talking to you, but I'm talking about all of us. Because you can come to church your entire life and like that, without even maybe even knowing it, you're following something that is not Jesus. And it's a slippery slope and an easy trap to fall in. And then you look around and go, God, why? Why? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? Saying, I've been here. Just like Robbie said in the video, I've been here all along. You're not following me. You're following fear and doubt and worry and what this person says and what that person says and what this diagnosis is what the enemy says about you. Follow me. Follow me. And then when you go through those valleys of the shadow of death, I'll be with you and you won't fear. And when the world seems too chaotic, I'll give you rest because I am your good shepherd. Let's stand up this morning as we go back into worship. I want to pray us out this morning and have that discussion with the Lord. Ask him those questions. God, am I following you? Am I following you in this area? Because I want to follow you. He's the only one that allows our cup to run over. He's it. For those that have never made that decision, you've been trying and trying and trying your own way. And God's been calling you saying, come to me. And you've been trying to clean up your act. Be like Matthew. Hated, traitor, thief. God's calling you. He is calling you. Follow him. And you're going you're gonna to feel freedom and a love like you never have before. Make that decision right now. All you have to say is, yes, Lord, I'm following after you. Come into my heart. I'm following after you.
Father, I pray that you would forgive us, Father, first and foremost, when we've followed other things. Maybe we're following our family. Maybe we're following money or, or you know, a title. Or we're following after fear. Whatever it might be, God, but we're not following after you. God, forgive us. And as your word says, God, I pray that you would put us right back on that path of righteousness. God, that you would allow us to rest. God, for those, I pray specifically for those that are watching online and those that are in here this morning that have had trouble resting, sleeping. God, I pray that you would give them rest in Jesus' name. I pray for a good night's sleep, Father. For those who have not had one in a very long time. Lord, that they would look to you for their rest and not for every problem to be resolved. But they would be reminded that as those problems are still out there, Lord, you're with them as our good shepherd. So God, give them rest in Jesus' name. Yes, Jesus, I just speak that out right now. Rest, God. Rest, Father, for those that need it. And Lord, for those that have just been trying and trying and trying on their own, who haven't fully given up their own way, who haven't fully picked up their cross and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you, Lord. Lord, I pray that they would, they would do it, that they would take that step. And as scary as it might be, Father, I pray that they would do it and they would follow after you and understand that your goodness and mercy follows after us. Give them that not just desire, but the, the, the courage to do so. Let this be that day, Father, a drawing of the line in the sand of what was and what is now as we follow after you. And God, I pray right now, Jesus, Lord, I pray, Father, for our family of Beaches Chapel, for our cups to run over, Lord, for our church, God, to run over. I pray for the churches in this area, God, in this community, Lord, God, that their cups would run over, Lord, that you are calling the church right now more than ever, to follow after you. Give us, give us clarity, Lord, on what that means, Father, as a church, God, as a body, what it means to follow after you, God. Lord, we confess that we may have lost our way. Before this whole pandemic happened, God, we got comfortable, and we were just following what we knew. Lord, we want to follow after you, and whatever that looks like, God, we surrender ourselves. We surrender what we think, and we say we follow after you, Lord. God, we pray that the, the cup of the church will overflow in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for increase in the church, God, for increase of souls, Father. You're not just restoring our souls, Father, but those around us, Lord, those we've been praying for that need you, Jesus. People we haven't met yet, Father, you're going to restore their souls, Father. You're going to restore marriages, Jesus, as we follow you, Lord God. Yes, Jesus, you are our good shepherd. You lead the way, God. You lead the way. You lead the way. We're giving up, God. We're surrendering. Thank you, Lord. That goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.